Greetings, everyone. Uh, you have Seth and Jake here during quarantine streaming. Uh, today, we're going to talk to you about Outbreak, which jumped to the top of the charts after all this coronavirus stuff on Netflix. Uh, and this is on Netflix. So Outbreak is a 1995 medical disaster film directed by Wolfgang Peterson. It's based off the book Hot Zone, all-star cast, got Dustin Hoffman, Renee Russo, Morgan Freeman, Donald Sutherland, Cuba Gooding Jr., Kevin Spacey, and pre-McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey. Um, the movie did well. It made almost four times the budget. It was cost $50 million, made nearly 189 uh, made wow. over 189 So, So it was successful. Um, I, I think it was well-received critically as well. So, so, so this was a big hit. And, uh, yeah, 60% well. of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so solid. That would be – it's solid. It, it's not great. Um but considered a successful film. I remember seeing this movie when I was young and really, I was on it. TV a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. This is a, this is a big, there was a huge Crichton phase. Oh, this wasn't Crichton, but there was this huge phase of these type of book, like movies, yeah. obviously Jurassic Park, the Tom Clancy ones. Like th this was big. Uh, this was, uh, this is a, yeah, I was going to, this is also sort of the start of Wolfgang Peterson's the director. And he sort of has this run in the nineties of these sort of big budget sort of action movies. Uh, it's, it's, uh, outbreak air force one, the perfect storm. And then he did Troy, not, none of them perfect, but all of them like definitely successful blockbusters. What was your favorite of them? Um, I actually I like Air Force One a lot. I think that's one of Harrison Ford's like underrated action movies. Everyone remembers Indiana Jones and Han Solo, but uh, you know Air Force One's just a nice like good solid action movie. You get uh, what, what's his name is the bad guy Gary Oldman. You know? Also the yeah. set piece of Air Force One. It's an incredible set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have cool. William H Macy in a side role. It's in, that's an incredible cast. Uh, and also, like, The Perfect Storm, not a great movie, but I've watched The Perfect Storm at least 20 times for whatever reason, you know? Same with Troy. Like, not a not a great movie, but I've watched it many times. So I actually really like Troy as a flawed movie. I totally, like, totally understand it as not a great movie, but I really like it. I'm a huge Greek history buff. Uh, yeah. And whatever you want I to call it. I love when Odysseus shows up in Troy, and Troy is uh, Sean Bean. That's the, always fun. Oh, in the fight between... Um, Hector and uh, Odysseus. I oh, know, excuse me, Achilles. Achilles is awesome. Yes, yes. Because yeah. in the book, it's not a good fight, and it should be. And the, the book itself is is very weird. Uh, it's good, and it's interesting when you see it. There's a lot of. Themes. You're talking about the original uh, Greek text. Yes, yes. Excuse me. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't read it in its original Greek, but uh, as a no. English major, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I did have I've read it a couple times. It's a very interesting story. I, this really kind of modernizes it. But with that being said, it's not a great story. Yeah. Um, yeah anyone who's read stuff like the Odyssey or, yeah, like the old, it all kind of comes together. And, like, the movie isn't great, but it, it, like, makes references to all those stories. I'm pretty sure the Odyssey is considered the first, like, Western literature. It's, like, the oldest surviving story. Not the first. It's, like, the oldest surviving, um, I think, actual, like, narrative. Yeah, um, I know there's like some Egyptian stuff, but I, I I agree. It's kind of it's when you take like an English course, or whatever. Usually in it, I like I, like I took. I think that would I be considered classic, Eastern. Yeah, sorry. I think the Egypt. I think Egypt would be considered Eastern. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, I know. I took story. like a classic books thing, and like they started us with Odyssey and Greek, and then you go from there. So I think you're right. That's mainly considered the first Western story that's kind of like widely circulated. All right, we got a little off topic there. Great yeah, movie, Troy. Um, Wolfgang Peterson, yeah, he, he had a good little run there. I What was the other movie? Um, not uh, Perfect Storm. What was the previous? 
Air Force One. Oh, Air Force uh, One was great. That that's that's the president we deserve. Yeah. That, 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 that's not yeah, the president we deserve. Like, that's so, the president. Yeah, we it's like, it starts with this outbreak movie, which is like kind of a solid movie. Not a ton of action, but there are action sequences. And then it's like Perfect Storm, Air Force One, Troy. It's like those are big budget movies that were all successful. So it's definitely. He's not my favorite director, but it's like he knows he has a formula. It works for him. The outbreak, I will say, um, interesting cast. I didn't remember the cast being as deep as it was. Um, I do, you know, uh, you know, it's funny that we watched Glenn Gary Glenn Ross the uh, the other week too, because Kevin Spacey turns up in this movie, and I had a similar reaction to yours from Glenn Gary, where I was like, wow, he's not quite hitting all the notes or something and like he wasn't popping off the screen the way i thought you know the way you consider kevin spacey to you and so it was interesting to kind of see him in another role in a similar time period what'd you make of that i'm so it's so i i'm not just saying this it's really funny you mentioned that because uh i had a very similar reaction so i saw this movie i think a long time ago i think like i seen it once or twice but the last time must have been like at least 10 years ago i really liked it um and I remember really liking Kevin Spacey. I remember thinking he he brought that like he's supposed to be the jerk in like he's like the jerky yeah. group. It's Cuba Gooding Jr., Dustin Hoffman, and Kevin Spacey as like the three main like labs, ACDC guys. And yep. Ke- Hoffman's the leader, Cuba's the new guy, and Spacey's like the kind of wise cracking like he's like yeah. friends with Hoffman, but he's kind of tough on Cuba Gooding Jr. And I remember really liking him. And in this movie, I felt the same way. I I was like. I had a similar reaction, like, oh, he's not as likable as I remember. He really is kind of like the Glenn Gary. He's like this kind of bureaucratic yeah. guy. He's not that likable. They try to make him likable, but to your point. He, he, yeah, they try to give him a few lines and stuff, but he doesn't quite. And it's, um, I, it was funny to me also because I had this realization, a lot of that like lingo and stuff they're doing in the labs and stuff, this is very close to like the ER period. And so I think a lot of the dialogue and stuff in the labs is like derivative of that. And like ER is really the birth of all these doctor shows on TV and stuff. And so this was, I felt like was kind of like a movie where they realized, Oh, we could take that similar energy and put it into a movie. I think you're right. It's Should we go on to some of the other roles? Cause like, I, I, yeah, sure. it, it, cause just cause talking about that, cause I remember again, I remember really liking it and coming back. Uh, so what, what I was impressed with, um, I thought Hoffman overall is a little over the top, but I, I thought the best scenes in the movie are the it's all the confrontations between Hoffman and Morgan Freeman. I actually thought were really good scenes, and both of them are, are like are are doing well in their parts in those scenes. You know, what, I, wait, I, but, like, but before we go into that, let's kind of focus on what we're like maybe what we didn't like. Let's say for the, like maybe the positives for later. Um, sure. Or do you want to like because that. One of the things no, let's, wanted, let's do the Grapes of Wrath right now. Because I, one of the things I was going to mention was Dustin Hoffman, he's not a negative, but he kind of is doing a Pacino. Like, he's yelling a lot of the time yeah. in a lot of these conversations where it's like, I think there's a there could have been better ways to get across the urgency or emotion. It, uh, yeah, it almost reminded me of, like, a Jack Bauer. Like, we got to get this done now. It's just like he's so – it's just like – and I get it. Like, it's a deadly virus that's outbreaking, and you got to get on top of it. But it's also like – there's very little nuance, I guess, in a lot of his, and it's like he's kind of one note most of the time, which is just outrage that nobody's helping about the virus. You literally just nailed it. I can't say it better. That would that was the thing on rewatch, and even like Cuba Gooding Jr., the characters are kind of static. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. is this like wide-eyed, yeah. bushy-tailed kid, 
and he's still that at the end. Like he's taking more charge, and you realize he's got skills, and he can he's more than just like a rookie. But he's still that bright-eyed, bushy-eyed tail kid, like two hours yeah. in. The mo- so I will say the most nuanced Hoffman, the Hoffman Russo scenes that are about their mm-hmm. sort of marriage and not about the virus uh, have a little more emotion going on. There's a scene early in the movie where he comes in and it's like she's throwing away all this stuff, and he, she's like, she gave him all the pictures of the two of them together. And it's one of those things, like at the tail end of the divorce, it's like, ah, oh, just shove the knife a little bit deeper. You know, I don't even want the pictures of you. And so, you know, there's, a, I think he gets to kind of go back into his Kramer versus Kramer mode a little bit for some of those scenes. Um, but it's also, yeah. I wish there was more of her, though. Like, that was the thing. I remember her being a bigger yeah. part of the movie, and she's not, she's a supporting character, but she's not as big as she should have been, I think. You're right. It almost seems like Cuba has a bigger role than her. Um, yeah, that's what I noticed too. And there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. it was like, but at the same time, I always talk about like third heats or third legs. Like this movie was really built. I think it was supposed to be the Cuba Gooding Jr. Dustin Hoffman. That's that's supposed to be the main relationship, at least in the second half of the movie. But I don't think that, and I think it Renee Russo is supposed to be the other third. But I don't think they ever. It's not that they, they don't, don't quite, it. Yeah. They don't give her enough time to shine. I think it needed like five more minutes with her, and I think it would have been. A, it's also it yeah. So if we're talking about gripes, I find it a little outrageous. That, and like this is such a Hollywood thing, but it's like yeah, of course, in the middle of saving the world from this virus, we fall back in love and save our marriage. It's just one of those things. It's like okay, it's so nineties. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm going to save the world and my family. It's like not only did I stop the virus, but I got Renee back too, and the dogs are back home. It's like okay, I'm no longer gonna be an emotionally (laughs) shallow (laughs) asshole. I'm back. (laughs) It's Um, a little. It's like I mean, and the relationship is really secondary to the whole virus narrative, but it's definitely like it's the only thing that gives the characters a little bit of depth, and so you have to go with it, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's in it. It had more action than I remembered, and I liked it. Like, it opens up in a... It's kind of framed as a Oh, yeah, movie. we're going to talk about helicopters here, Jake. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> that's going to be in the positives. Should we, okay, we, I think I think we got our... I think I got my gripes out of the way. There, should, we, should we move on to the, the accolades of the positives, or...? Sure. Oh, well, I got one more gripe, I guess. Hit um, <laughs> I, find, I find it a little crazy... So, like, basically the main uh, struggle is, like, Hoffman, Russo, and Cuba versus Morgan Freeman and Donald Sutherland. And Donald Sutherland kind of represents the the industrial military complex, and they want to weaponize this virus. And that part's a little hackneyed, and then also the part where it's, like, the only solution these these crazy military guys can come up with for this town, even, even though they've found a vaccine, is to bomb the town. I just find that like we're personally in quarantine right now. No one's talking about no, no one talked about nuking Wuhan, you know, three months ago. Here, I, so it's like I find it a little crazy that they're just like, oh, we'll just drop a bomb on the town and forget about it. What's funny is we kind of talked about this on a, on a previous pod with Knives Out. How sometimes where it's like these political undertones can go too far and it really kind of affects the movie. And I think this is one of those things where it's like that's like a very fascist, cynical, like, yeah. like, like. <laughs> Bottom line counts for everything result. And you get it. Like, yeah, they're, it's supposed to be an evil military guy who will do anything no matter the cost. And if there's even a slight 1.0001% chance that there could be like an outbreak, he'll do whatever he can to eliminate that chance. But then when you take a step back and realize this movie's made in 1995, 
the Berlin Wall fell six years before. Russia, Putin's like 10 years away. There was yeah. no kind con- like, I feel like they're talking about communism or like maybe like, I feel like it's talk communism is like a social threat and like how I'm, I'm really stretching here because I'm having a hard time understanding why this, to your point, why they would destroy a village, <laughs> like a, 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 a whole American town. Yeah. And this isn't 1950. This is 1995. No, the internet isn't out yet. But if you get, if you immolate 500 people, yeah. they're getting, people are going to know. It's on a map. <laughs> the town's on a map. People are like, there's no way you, you can get by it. Although, quick side note, they, they're rumored a couple planes were downed on uh, 9-11. Yeah. Oh, no yeah. Never heard about uh, I was going to say, the, the one scene where they kind of try to really sell it to you, and I, I can't quite remember the actor's name that does this scene, but it's like they cut to the Pentagon at one point. And it's this guy, I've seen him in a ton of movies. I want to say he's like the dad in Home Alone or something. <laughs> you know, do you know that actor actually turned out, I think he turned out to be a pedophile. Well. I hope he was. If I'm wrong, I'm really sorry, Kevin's dad. <laughs> I hope you're not wrong. That happened to uh, the Seventh Heaven guy, too. Macaulay seventh Heaven. Well, okay. All right, well, we're going to cut that out. Sorry, that's a what? very, talk about a, talk about a disease. We're going to cut. We're gonna cut that out. That human disease. When I was the one of the, I actually really liked the scene too. I, I, okay, I have to look up his actor's name now so that I know what I'm talking about. Because he kills the scene. It's almost like the Alec Baldwin scene in Glen Gary, Glen Ross. But it's basically this guy. He walks into the Pentagon. And there's a circle of people on the chairs. They're about to tell the president the situation, and like there's. He's basically saying everyone needs to get behind this decision of bombing, including everyone who has access to media members. And anyone who sticks a camera in front of your face, I want you to tell them the only option we had was bombing this town or the entire United States was going to die by the virus. And it's like, it's a, when I was watching the scene, I was like, this is a very like almost Trumpian like uh, Pentagon scene or something where this guy's just like, look, this is what we're doing. This is what all of you are going to say to the media. Everyone's getting behind this. This is like the propaganda we're putting out. And uh, that's the scene. Like, there's no questions. No one gets to ask anything. He just rants at this group of people for five minutes. And then is like, yeah, we're bombing the town. Everyone tell the media that's our only option. This is like, everyone do your job now. It's well, like, there's no question you, of anything. Your name's JT Walsh. His name's JT Walsh. Thank you, JT Walsh. Yes, and he is an incredible IMDb. He's like he's in Blue Chips, The Client, Miracle on Thirty Fourth yeah, Street. Yeah, Blue Chips. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nixon, Great actor. Executive Decision, Sling Blade, The Negotiator. He is the bad guy in almost everything. It looks like he passed while he was a, a kind of a young guy. Um, oh really? Oh yeah, he he, he passed away in nineteen ninety eight at fifty four. He's a great actor. Wow. You, you've seen yeah. him. I think he was in a few good men too. Um, yes, he is in a few good men. Yeah, he's one. Of, he's a, he's total that guy. He shows up in a ton of movies. Well, that's actually a perfect pivot, I think, to the positives because that's one of the scenes that really stands out, and he crushes yeah. it in that scene. Yeah, it's kind of the Alec Baldwin thing. He comes in, or Dion Waiters yeah. comes in. He just lights up the screen, and then you get to see. And maybe if you blend that scene with Donald Sutherland, there should be a bridge between those two characters. Yeah, I think what we're, we're missing. Rather missing a character or some conversations between to really connect the industrial military complex with the with the political aspect. I think to really it's, yeah, it seems like Sutherland's just this slimy evil guy, but it's like you're, he has to be connected back to those people in, in DC, and it's just it doesn't they don't quite put all the pieces for you, but it doesn't really matter because like that's really not the central part of the plot. But it's like you basically are just like a, 
And, like, I actually think Donald Sutherland's pretty good in the movie. I don't think he's great, but it's like he's fine for what he has to do there. <laughs> I think they're asking him to be a pantomime villain. And when I say that, it's yeah. like they're not giving him a lot of depth. They're basically asking him to go up there and be like, you're going to be really shallow, but, like, we want you – like, you, you don't feel any guilt about it. I guess that's the point of being shallow. And Morgan Freeman's the one that, like, kind of gets to play the middle a little more. Not to bring it to Marvel, but it's like uh, Donald Sutherland's Hella. He's the one. He's just there to do – like, he is very – yeah shallow and selfish objectives and morgan freeman is scourge who's uh no offense to morgan freeman but uh morgan freeman is scourge who's kind of the middleman who's obeying the orders above but is like still human or moral enough to understand that there's something not right or that he he should he he should probably should be doing something else right all right and dustin hoffman gets to be superman Yes, he does. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the good things we liked. And I think that's uh, Morgan Freeman and Dustin Hoffman. That's a perfect because I cut you off before. You talked about their confrontations as being oh, positive. Oh, yeah. I like they have three or four pretty good scenes. And um, all of them, it's like you can tell they, it's like on just as like a pure acting thing, you can tell both of them respect each other. And then both of them are like really engaged in those scenes. Um, and they're fun scenes too because it's like Hoffman always wants something. Freeman and Freeman always has to kind of push back on Hoffman and it's like it's this natural conflict that's easy for them to both play off um, and it's like also you can you know there's supposedly have been friends in the military virology area for the last 20 years or something so it's like you can tell there's a depth to that relationship that they're both kind of pulling and tugging at each other with what's uh, funny is we've criticized some movies where I think kind of like not giving enough backstory or like relying on a wink and it working. And this is one of the movies where, where I think it does work. Like, yeah, like yeah. they only refer to a few past things and I don't know if it's the acting or the directing or the writing or, or what I think you have to really, maybe it's credit to the actors here, but you can feel a history between them and, yeah. and what, and to your point, like the respect and it's almost like, I'm not a big basketball guy, but it's like, when you see two great basketball stars kind of like line each other up at the end of their careers or like maybe right. prime is a better example. And it's like, they're taking an extra second. Like it's the guy with the ball taking an extra second to dribble. And they're just basically sizing each other up. And I mean this in the most positive way. It's like they are recognizing each other's greatness and it's, they're bringing out the best in each other. And that that's kind of the way I look at these scenes. Right. And that, I think that's really with the heart of like kind of what elevates the movie a little bit from just being like the typical blockbuster fair or something where it's like you do have three or four scenes that are like high level acting from two really good actors that have a lot of history. And that's, it's like, I always enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, so, so yeah, I think for me, that's probably the, the highlights of the highlights of the movie for me. I, I mean, I also enjoy Hoffman and Cuba together and doing the helicopter stuff. I think there's some fun lines there between the two of them. You know, that the movie gets a little lighter, I think, because there are parts of it that are very, very dark and gross and disturbing. And so it's nice to kind of escape that a little bit and get in the helicopter and kind of do some action. The last once you get once the helicopter is introduced, stuff lightens up and it really becomes more yeah. like an action action adventure. Uh, I, I, I wish they had better chemistry. I thought, I thought Hoffman and, and Cuba Gooding Jr. didn't have incredible chemistry, but <laughs> I don't think it was incredible. Yeah. But, but to your point, it worked and it really works in the helicopter scenes more than anywhere else. Like, yeah. And the helicopter scene to me, there's a huge chase at the end. I think there's multiple there. It's a, a lot of cool helicopter stunts and I really liked it. And I remember liking it before. And to me, it was a great culmination, like finale with the third act. Um, right. And it's cool. It's like it's real helicopters. 
Well, yeah, so Wolfgang, uh, I, I want to say he comes from the Tony Scott school of action directing, where it's like you get real machines and you put them in the air and you show these people, what, you know, it's like you, you think about Top Gun or Days of Thunder, those Tony Scott movies where you get all this action and all these high-priced machines and stuff. I think Wolfgang, he got his hands on a bunch of helicopters and he was kind of like, hey guys, let's fucking go to down here and see what, what kind of helicopter sense we do. Because there's a good, and it's like it's not like they're boring sequences either, just to show them to show them. Like, there's good, and the way he shoots them too, you can see the helicopters chasing each other or like if they go under the bridge, you can kind of follow the chase sequence. It there's was, like dog uh, fights. Like it's like cool shot. dog fights with the helicopters. Yeah, like yeah. Shoot out. It's compl- yeah, complex things that you'd think would be hard for the viewer to retain some context, but he actually uses the landscapes really well so that you can kind of follow the chases and the dog fights and stuff. And uh, yeah, I thought all the aerial stuff was really well done. And it, like you said, no CGI. It's all real helicopters. Clearly, the cameras in the helicopter for most of those uh, sequences as well. So it's like not easy stuff to pull off and make look interesting. So I thought, you know, those are high level action sequences. And you can tell, I mean, this is where Wolfgang makes his, you know, you don't get the budget for like the perfect storm or Troy or something unless you can really show some skills. So it's cool to see him kind of in his earlier phase, like pulling off that stuff. Were there there any other things we liked about it? There's also, I got to note, an early Patrick Dempsey role here. He's uh, I remember him being a bigger (laughs) character. He's really kind of a side note. It's a bit of a so I, there's two characters I actually made, kind of made a note of this. Jimbo is like you kind of follow him for a little bit and then he tails off. There's also this like uh, this female mom character who's a uh, it's like she's kind of the one that gets the you kind of follow her as a patient a little bit and you see her go into the hospital that the military sets up. But they, they kind of like set up these side characters that peter off and go nowhere. And uh, but yeah, Patrick Dempsey. He's kind of the first guy to get it from the monkey. Is that right? Yeah, it's. I didn't. Sorry, I kind of took us. We're talking about like positives. That's kind of more like a side note. But yeah, that's one of the parts. And not to be put a gripe in here, but it's one of the things that feels you can tell it came from a book, and it was like probably something that could yeah. have been better adapted or just excised out. Um, uh, back to yeah, another uh, for positives though. I do think that like when the outbreak hits the u.s and then you sort of see the way the military and the government is working that was like actually interesting because i thought that was pretty realistic where it's like the who and then the cdc get involved which is all happening right now with uh, (laughs) the stuff we're going through but it was interesting to see in the movie the way the who and the cdc like react and like what resources they send and how they deal with it i was gonna say like topicalness and the i don't know if realism is the right word but at least like understanding the structure and the bureaucracy yeah it's interesting to know, and that was I was paying more attention to that, especially in the beginning and understanding how all these work. Not saying it's accurate to real life. Uh, if you're interested, you should probably look it up on the uh, actually do a little research. But it was as we're talking about, like, and there's a lot of questions going on in this country about like why why we're so slow to react, and this isn't an excuse. Well, that's a whole other conversation. But just saying here, at least you can see it's like it requires a lot. Just the amount different organizations and all the different yeah. cooperation it takes. And again, I know this is a movie, not real life, uh, right. but it provides some fun, entertaining insight into what may be kind of going on now. That, I also, I like the little, uh, I think it's the credit sequence in the beginning where you kind of weave in and out of these labs and they kind of take you through the different uh, security levels of these disease fighting vi- virology labs that the government has and then you eventually you get to the fourth level which is like the blacklisted diseases or whatever but it's like um i wondered if that was really the case 
and how those labs are set up. Because in my head, I was like, you know, I'd probably separate these buildings and kind of like keep these things apart. But I don't know how they do this. Maybe they are all together like that. But I thought that was an interesting sequence, too. I wondered how realistic that was. I'm so glad you brought that up. But that was actually one of the things I wanted to bring up in the positives. That framing, opening like sequence to frame it. It's like they, yeah. you're walking down all these levels. And you just, I won't repeat what you said. But each level, it gets uh, the level of con- disease gets more dangerous. And the fourth one is where this everything starts. But yeah, to your point, it's like I've seen too many Marvel movies or crime movies. Like that place would be raided, and that would be the most like value. You, you'd have more than yeah. like 10, 20 feet and like a, a little bit of concrete between all those like chemicals or all those illegal like diseases. Yeah, it seemed a little. I don't know. It's just like it's really how they set But I mean, this is nineteen ninety five. So for all I know, that was how it was back then. Maybe twenty twenty was different. I don't know. Yeah, who, who knows. All right, should we, should we go on to final scores and rankings? Sure, sure. All right. Um, um, oh, I'll wait. I was going to mention one more thing. I, I don't know if this is a like or a gripe, but I always crack up at this. This is also the part my brother, anytime you mention this movie to my brother, this is what he, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the part where like Hoffman's at a hospital and they've just had the outbreak at the movie theater. All these people are coming back and then they're like, hey, we had this guy in this other part of the hospital and he just got sick and we don't know how. And no science is done, no tests are done. Hoffman just looks straight up at an air vent. And he, the camera goes through the air vent to the other side, then they cut back to Hoffman, and he just goes, it's airborne. And he just knows. It's totally... And it's like, I like the scene. It's very dramatic. It's a great It's a great one-liner for a trailer, but like, it makes no fucking sense that he just looks up at an air vent and <laughs> declares that the virus is airborne. I, th- I think that kind of falls with the framing sequence and one of those kind of like it it <laughs> it it it, it's, it works on some storytelling level, but like yeah, when you look at it with yeah. a little objectively, it's like something's not right. It works here. on the Hollywood level of like, oh no, it's airport, but it's like, how about we do some tests and take a look and uh, you know make some decisions here? Oh, it's just like on to the next thing. It's airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got to contain it, contain it, contain it. Um, uh, all right, final all right. scores here. Yeah, um, you want you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I can go first. Okay. Um, I so I'm gonna give Wolfgang points for the action. I'm gonna deduct a little for the story, and uh, yeah, I think the script could have been a little tighter. Um, I think the acting overall is pretty good, and uh, yeah, like I said, I think the the jewel of the movie is the Hoffman Freeman scenes. I'm gonna land at like a seven point two. I think it's like a movie people should watch. Okay. Um, I'm coming in a little lower. Okay. I The score may not make total sense, and there, it may change um, upon a little further examination. I'm giving like a 6.5. Um, okay. And the reason for that is Dustin Hoffman, it's, it's not his best performance, but he's giving a good one. I think for me, it all, all around, it ends up coming out to like a lot of good things. And, like, if you were to add them all up, it would probably be closer to a seven. But I don't know what it was. Just on rewatching it, I felt like it was less than the sum of its parts. And, and I can't really point out why, which is on me. And I also, It also occurred to me that, like, I wondered if, like, because I'd watched it so much as a kid. And now watching it under the guise of a, of a current quarantine, I wondered if that. Because I, I think it did make me think the movie was a little more hokey and not as, like, serious as it should have been almost. And that was the thing, like, it did feel it dated, like, in a way I didn't remember yeah. it being, and I, I guess that's the time provides context and makes it dated, so it's probably yeah. a stupid comment on my part, but uh, 
it's I liked it. And when I went back and saw, I've, I've already said the things I kind of remember differently, but for me, it's like Kevin Spacey didn't really, didn't really click. Like Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. was fine, but he wasn't great. Uh, Renee Russo was good, but there wasn't enough of her. And even like yeah. Morgan Freeman and Sutherland, I liked, I think they could have fleshed them out a little more. It was all, yeah. like, there was good things all around. I think, and like the best part was the end and it had this good finale. But for me, yeah, I, I, I come down to like a six and a half. I think that's that's fair. That's where I feel comfortable. And, but I do think it's a great watch, especially given how topical it is. Like, I would recommend it. Six five. It's a, six five isn't bad. Six five is good. Yeah. For me, anything over a five is like, I'd watch it. I'd recommend it. It's definitely like a watchable movie. But yeah, it's like if they had a little bit better writing, uh, yeah, for the, some of those characters might have pushed it to another level or a little more chemistry. I also, I had the feeling that a lot of the actors had different schedules and it's like, you get a lot of like, these two actors are together. Now these two actors are together. And it's like, you don't really get a full group all that much. It's funny you say that. I didn't think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. It's like, oh, Freeman and Hoffman, we got them today. And it's like, oh, now we got Hoffman and Russo today. Now we're going to do the Hoffman and Cuba scenes. You know, it's like, it, you never really get that sense that the whole cast came together. I like that. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree with that critique. Um, all right. Do you, anything else you want to say? Uh, wash your hands, people. Yeah, wash your hands and stay <laughs> safe. Uh, goodbye, people. Seth, do you want to say goodbye to the people? Goodbye, people. Good night, everyone.